invented the air conditioner? A black man. People always kind of hate against like the Caucasian man because he's winning. They don't hate him because he's Caucasian and male. They hate him because he's Caucasian, male, and winning. And so the thing is, you just got to become a winner and not become liked because being liked might mean that you're last. I'm not first gen. Like my parents are successful, my grandparents are successful, and they're all black. <laughs> They've all had ancestors who suffered through slavery. They've all been through Jim Crow, all, all these things. And what they focus on is just doing the right stuff. Yo, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Stop the record, yo, stop the record. Tweet Talk, episode 49. It is lit. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the air, what it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. There is nobody with the number 49. Well, there's like some random dude. I forgot his name. Uh. What's this guy? I can't even find his name, but he's not important. Actually, when I got it, I got it. His so, name is uh, so random. You Mel McCant and Shandon Anderson. Shandon Anderson. Nobody, nobody currently in the league even wears forty nine. So that's crazy. Shandon Anderson. That's a throwback. Yeah, he used to play. That's when he played for the Knicks. He used to play for the Jazz too. Yep. That's when he was good. When he was on the Jazz. But anyway. Yeah. 49, Shannon added uh, the episode that will, there's no player representing 49. Anyway, as always, it's Raphael and Charles. And tonight we got a special guest by the name of Tyler Dwyer. You can follow him on Twitter at Tyler W. Dwyer. Yep. What's going on, Tyler? Hey, I'm just happy y'all got me on here, man. Todd, man, and, you know, he done a lot for me, so... I'm just appreciative to be on this platform with you guys uh, just to chop it up. Cool, cool. Tell them, tell them about yourself real quick. Who's Tyler yeah, Dwyer? So, uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, I'm from Michigan. Uh, I was born and raised in Saginaw, Michigan. Um, I moved out to Phoenix about five, six years ago, um, just out here enjoying the sun, not having to worry about shoveling snow and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've been in sales, you know, my pretty much my entire life. Uh, found some motivation from, you know, Todd uh, and, and some other guys. And um, I decided to start my own businesses. Uh, now I'm doing uh, some reselling stuff, some marketing. I'm working on starting starting my own brand up with my wife. Um, life's great, man. I can't complain. He's been he's been killing it lately. He did, he did like 1K days, like the past like three days or something. Probably longer than that. How many yeah, days has so- it been? Uh, so it was, so we did 1K four days in a row, and then uh, today snapped that, unfortunately, which which is cool. Um, we had a, we still had a productive day. I uh, got a lot of inventory today. So, uh, it's not over. Yeah, the day's not over yet, yeah, right? Exactly. We still got some time left. We're on the, we're on the West Coast. Today was a weird day. Um, I don't know why it was a weird day. I know my sales were kind of flat today, um, but Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday 
really good days for me. And then today I woke up and I was like, I didn't, I didn't do my normal. Usually by eight o'clock, I'm pretty good. And um, I was like, something must be wrong for the day. So I did okay today, but not normal. So I'm hoping tomorrow is, is, is a good day. You know what it might be? You know what it might be? People waiting for Juneteenth, so everybody could attack that Maybe. Juneteenth black receipt thing. It could be. It could um, be. Everybody's saving the dollars for tomorrow. Probably getting closed yeah, tomorrow. See, so. I was about to say, you see it's a lot of places that are closing earlier, and you know, I think that's actually pretty dope. Yeah, you know, so that might be it, man. So I'm going to start this off with one of Charles's tweets. Oh, by the way, congrats on the, uh, the office, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Congrats, man. See Try you. to level up, man. Trying to take it to the next level. It's so funny. I was thinking about this. I was like, man. I was like, you hit a milestone, and most, most people would just chill. But I'm like, let's see, let's see where we can go next. Like, this 10x this whole thing. So that's kind of the motivation now is 10x and everything. Got you, got you. Broadcasting from the office, talk capital offices. <laughs> on top of downtown LA, man. Looking down on the city. Lovely. The first <laughs> official. What's going on? What's the tweet? The first official talk capital office. Um, <laughs> first tweet from Charles. I don't need to have a poor conversation. Man, you know what's so funny is um, I kind of felt bad because I was tweeting Dame Dash statements. Um, like if you saw the like either the tweet or, tweet before that or, the, or two tweets before that, I was talking about how like I'm gonna do what I do every night. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna listen to Dr. Boyce rant and listen to uh, Dame Dash rant. And we're lucky because Dame Dash put out so much content that we just get to listen to it. But every time you listen to it, it's just gems on gems on gems. Like it's not just like in your face, but like as you once you start kind of digging into it and processing what he's saying, it, it just makes so much sense. And um, my wife has been in the room like the last few times, so she's got a chance to listen to the stuff that I listen to um mm. like casually like i just it's 10 o'clock at night let's listen to dame dash talk <laughs> listen to dr boris Watkins talk so he was just talking about um man i guess the difference between people who put their money up and people who just kind of like front for other people's money um i just thought it was interesting to have that like i've never really been that guy i've always been somebody who i'm talking business when i wake up to the time i go to sleep i don't really have too much casual conversations i don't you can tell from my tweets i'm not talking about like nonsense i'm not talking about like bubblegum stuff as dame would say so it was just kind of cool that you said that he's like i don't even have a poor conversation because like i just love when people are brash and they say what they got to say and he was also talking about how like he can be seen as like being an asshole and he was like i don't really know too many people that are like successful and their bosses that aren't assholes so he was kind of defending his stance um that's just kind of what i, I just kind of took that from there it wasn't anything like super introspective you say to that tyler well i think the, the i actually saw that tweet that you said you're, you're not trying to have no poor conversations uh i kind of feel like that that can be it can, it can mean a few different things and i feel like if you're not bringing value to a conversation then that that's a poor conversation if there's no value being had in that conversation that's a poor conversation uh negativity um having negative Negative thoughts, you know, putting those kind of thoughts in other people's heads—that's that's poor conversation. Um, like you want to be surrounded by people that are bringing value, uh, surrounded by people that that are that are supportive, um, that are honest with you. Like all of those things are uh, kind of on the opposite of a, a poor conversation. That would be a, a, a rich conversation. Yeah. So, uh, now nah, I, I 100% agree with that, and I'm a big Dame Dame guy too. So I think that's brilliant that you make that that connection because a lot of people they just think that that's just genuine. That's just general conversation like we just talk about what's not possible or what is hard or all this negative stuff instead of talking about like possibilities and so some people would just see that as kind of conversation but you draw the line between like that's just either an, an impoverished conversation versus an actual like like wealthy conversation so that is dope because i hope people catch that it's not even like 
are we talking about getting money as much as like what's your attitude and what's your mindset about what we're even like what we're talking about at this moment like because people can think like oh getting money getting money investing all this stuff is just like wealthy talk mm-hmm. but also like what's your psyche like what's your mindset like do you think that things are possible do you think things are hard or difficult or too expensive or impossible like i think that's really really dope that you took that approach to that yeah, man you gotta stay out of certain conversations that's why I don't talk to a lot of guys at work because it always, most of the time, it turns around to to women. Yeah. Look at that butt. Like girls walking by, oh, look at that. It's like, all right, I gotta walk away from you now, man. I can't. I don't have time for this. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy because I've experienced that in work too, where it's like I don't even want to have like single dude conversations. Like you guys take your single dude conversations over there. Like all right. the like dating and relationship issues and dating issues, like. My mind's not there. And I always tell people, like, that's kind of the advantage that marriage gives you is you're not going down the rabbit hole trying to talk to every woman walking by. Like, you're focused on your business. You're focused on elevating your business. You're focused on that kind of stuff as opposed to what you can get done tonight. So I think it's kind of kind of interesting. And I mean, it's a it's a distraction, right? Like, all of these guys, that's, that's what they're chasing. And that's, I mean, I'm married. Uh, Raphael, are, are you married too? I'm, I'm divorced, but I still I still get it, for sure. <laughs> the okay. multiple women thing is just it just it's a distraction much. it's too much man yeah and I we're know not, that's not, yeah yeah and we're not we're not chasing that right now we're chasing we got all different types of goals that we're chasing that that are that are things that we can accomplish even though some people may feel like they're impossible but i feel like having having that that part taken care of you got your wife She's supportive of you, and that's all you worried about. You got your family. I think it gives you a different, different kind of drive. Yeah. Low key, um, I think about this. Well, I just had this thought right now. But when I was in college, like my first two years, I was like the man. I was, I was all over the place. My first two years. <laughs> And then, like, my last two years, I was, that's when I met my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, but it was just crazy how, like, my life went, like, all my grades, internships, everything professionally was, like, taken off, and it's because I had that focus, and it's tough when you wake up in a different bed, it's like, how do you, how do you get a routine when you never know where you're gonna wake up, like, you never know if you might be up late drinking, you know what I'm saying, so, yeah, that's that's the major key. So, Tyler, you said, my new favorite hobby is counting money. <laughs> I said that. I said that. No, I Tyler. Tyler. Tyler said it. Oh, oh. <laughs> it sounds like something Tyler would say, right? <laughs> but no, uh, yeah. So, man. So I just got into uh, into reselling, man. And you know, a lot of times those those are cash transactions. So at the end of the night, I sit down at my dinner table. I got a big dinner table. You know, I got a big family. So I sit down and I just sit at the end of the table and I just. I count my money, man, and I, I actually enjoy it. And then I go put it in the bank, and then, then we're good, man. But I've never, I mean, to be honest, man, this is all fairly fairly new to me. Like, uh, this whole journey that I've had, uh, you know, making a lot of money and stuff, it, it's fairly new. Like, I've always been okay, but now it's just like, it's crazy how everything's taking off for me. So, um, these types of experiences are are just like I mean they're they're dope to me. Like I get to sit down at my dinner table and I get to count money. My which, kids get which to which course that. did you learn how to flip and hold and resell from? Um, so I learned from uh, uh, I think I think it's a coach. Uh, 
coach uh, Joe Hart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, it's it's products for profit, man. There's he knows he knows what he's talking about, man, and he, he really helped me out, man. I, I I can't even tell you right now off the top of my head. My wife does all the accounting stuff, but I think I think we've already done over thirty thousand dollars in sales, wow. and I, I think it's been three weeks. Wow! Whoa, I got to <laughs> now. I got to make that investment. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes time, though, and that's I mean, if you look at my timeline recently compared to how it was before like you'll notice that my tweets kind of have fallen off a little bit mm-hmm. and that's one thing that I have to learn how to juggle and Todd maybe I'll get with you about that later man about how to juggle thing and how to delegate those are all things I'm still learning but but yeah man that reselling is it's good business to be in but you've been working on branding as well so I've seen you've been putting up like different avatar pictures and you've been trying to kind of polish that image yeah so I've been working on that for like the money in your sleep brand uh, that I do for for marketing right. affiliate marketing yeah so I've been working on different things. I got a lot of things in the works uh, for that. I'm actually uh, I'm reformatting my ebook. I have somebody doing that for me now. Uh, as we speak, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to get new uh, backgrounds for Instagram. Like there, there's a lot of different things that I have coming for that brand. I, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback from it. So I just want to keep building on it and, and kind of keep that momentum. So what's what's the course? What's the course you got or ebook? For mine, yeah. oh yeah. So uh, so to make money in your sleep, it kind of it teaches people how to affiliate market. So uh, what affiliate marketing is, is uh, basically, and, and mine is more geared towards like uh, social media and Gumroad courses. So uh, like Todd has a Gumroad course. He, he was one of the, he was one of the first people that I became an affiliate for. So that's when I was learning myself. I didn't take any course to learn or anything like that. I kind of just figured it out. Um, but uh, basically what it is, is I have a course and I have an ebook that shows people how they can become an affiliate marketer, how they can grow their social media, um, and, and basically how they how they can make money doing it. I feel like the cool thing about affiliate marketing is it kind of like, it teaches you how to market online without having to create the product. Because right. in actuality, marketing is probably... 90% of the business, the product is already there. The product's already loaded. So if anything, marketing's probably 95% of the business, which is great because the backend stuff, you can get in the weeds. That's why I don't really do LLCs too much because you'll market, bring in business, and you got to stop marketing to bring in business. Yeah. And what I found is that gap that causes you to lose money and momentum. Um, but if you can kind of eliminate that, which is what you can do when you do affiliate marketing and then market for yourself, it allows you to make a lot of money. So that's I mean, how most people start. That's how I started. And I still kind of be in the cool thing. You could still kind of run your affiliate business. So just because you have your own business doesn't mean you can't still affiliate because a lot of that stuff is just trailing. Yeah. So I'm getting sales. I got two sales today as an affiliate on some, maybe some content I put out like a month ago or like yeah. two, two months ago. Like, cause it's just out there. Like you put, you work, 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 work. And then stuff starts to catch up to you. But by that time you're still working on new projects. So affiliate marketing is key. I don't know why people are sleeping on it. It's like, it's like getting a job without having to like get a job, if that makes sense. <laughs> in sales, but you don't have to actually like go interview with any of that stuff. You just say, hey, I want to get affiliate. Now you got a job. Yeah, and there's no initial investment needed. So that's why I thought it was pretty dope. I was like, man, anybody can do this. Anybody can start this. Like, you don't have to have any capital. It's just profit from the jump. If you want to consider the courses that you're affiliating for, the cost of that, if you want to consider that uh, a part of the initial investment, all right, but that's that's nothing compared to what you can make. And I think I've I've shown that you got a you got a, a lot of dope affiliates out there. You got Sierra, she's shown that, you know, it's I mean, the possibilities are really endless if you just take 
advantage of. And and what's cool is, I mean, you can pretty much affiliate for whoever you want. So you can create an entire store of just being an affiliate for other people through your link tree or through your separate website, whatever you decide to do. Exactly. Um, internet money is the shit, it is. and it really has changed the game. Nipsey also said it, but it's really changed the game. Yeah, like you said, um, the course is buying the courses. If you buy the course, that's good. You can make money to get your money back from buying the course and then make money on top of affiliate marketing. So it's like a win, win, win. You can't really lose. You can't really lose. You can't really lose. And Charles, you said, going back to the office, brother, you said being in an office with no distraction gives you clarity on your goals. I said that like a few minutes ago and it does, but what it really does is it allows you to get through ideas that don't work. And so maybe there is something you were thinking about, but you didn't have the time to execute on it because you're working in somebody else's business, somebody else's office. But in the, in here, I'm just like throwing ideas on the whiteboard or throwing ideas on the, on the yellow pad and then I'll work through it and I'll scratch it off. But then I'm not still thinking about that idea because I didn't have time to work through it mentally. And so I feel like that is invaluable, but also it just gives you time to really not be thinking about something else. So what I mean by that is like, if you, if I'm in like the firm down the street from here, I'm like fitting in Thai capital stuff with firm stuff. If I'm at home, I'm still kind of thinking like home stuff. But last night I went home and it's like, it's just time to do home stuff now. So talk to the wife, watch Dame Dash. So that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, I think it's, it's like, pause. The, the, the thing is, is like, I don't think a lot of us get to really experience this because we're always either working from like a home business or either working in somebody else's business. But it truly is empowering to be in your own space that's strictly dedicated to what you're building. Um, because like, it's just, it's just rare. Like, I like it. And I think I'm only going to 10x and scale it because all I do here is I'm like, I'm looking at buying assets i'm looking at the assets on the wall looking at the assets on the whiteboard looking at the assets on this computer that computer this thing i'm just focusing i'm trying to figure out how to scale this and how to grow it but one thing i'm realizing is low-key the best thing i could do is get into more e-com like e-com is the best roi like your buck for buck your for your time like i made my money in e-com so why would i circle back and do something that i was doing for three to four years that didn't get me here when i can just double down on what got me and so a lot of times people will ask that question. They'll say like, hey, man, I'm making a bunch of money in my business. What should I invest in next? That business. Go double down on what's working. Like, don't go out here and try to be Mr. Hedge Fund, man. Don't go out here and try to be whatever. Like, continue to shovel whatever you're shoveling and double down on that. So that's kind of where I am. And that's why after we finish this, I got to record some more content because that's what's working for me. So I got to continue to put out what's working for me. No question I have from that then is so you do have you do have a lot of different things that you're doing though. So how do you how do you decide when it's when it's time to get into this next thing? You just said don't be you know uh, Mr. Hedge Fund man, but mm. this is kind of something that I'm struggling with. Like when when should I start something new? When or do I stay in the space that I'm in? Do I do I venture out to something else? When do you when do you make that decision? Um. I think it depends. It depends on where you are in your business. And it depends on how mature the income streams are because the e-com income stream is strong. The other income streams are kind of just eh. So like I'm looking at maybe I'll buy more vending machines, maybe I'll buy more rental properties, but I'm looking at the total cash up to outflow to get more properties. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of money for not a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel like it's it's kind of like a case by case situation. You got to look at 
how much money can you make doing one activity versus the other? And is it worth pulling from that main activity to then invest in the other? Now, if you don't have to subtract from the main activity to do it, then by all means. But if you're having to sacrifice time for the main activity, then you might not need to go there. That's what, I mean, I think that's uh, Grant Cardone. He was like, focus on the, on the main flow. And he was like, like, don't go to any other flows unless the main flow is strong. So it's tough because, I mean, I still do a lot of stuff and I think I'm still going to put cash into those opportunities just because it's just intelligent. It's an, it's an intelligent use of cash, but I still have to make sure that I'm still putting out content. So I can't completely abandon the main flow. I got to continue to beef it up and continue to hustle. But if I have some things coming in and it'd be better if I put that cash into a property as opposed to putting it into, I don't know, a car, then I'm going to do that. And, and it won't even be like, that's my main venture. It's just like, hey, that just, it just it's like intelligent banking at that point in time. It's not like I'm over here trying to be, and that's what most people do. Like I always tell people, like most people who have a lot of real estate just have a strong business. And so people will say like, oh, they're just, they're, they made all their money in real estate. They, they made their money in business and they put it in real estate. So you've got to continue to hit that business and then you can do real estate, but real estate shouldn't really be your main focus. And quite honestly, stock shouldn't really be your main focus. Like trying to be willing and dealing, like I'm an investor who invests through stocks. And that's why like the options trading idea is more so options investing. And so it's swing trading. It's not getting in there and trying to like look at the lights flicker and trying to like make profit in 10 minutes. So Tully, you said growing a business is all about learning from your mistakes. Yeah, man. So I mean, with that one, like, I mean, I've, I mean, this short amount of time, I made plenty of mistakes uh, and I've had to learn from them. And I think the main thing that I'm learning is that being a business owner, you have to learn how to adjust. You have to learn like, like when something isn't working, you have to learn how to move a different way, how to go a different route or how to accomplish the same same goal that you had, but you have to you have to just move differently. So um, yeah, I made I made plenty of my mistakes. Um, I did it with affiliate marketing and I, in my course, I show people like I tell people about those mistakes and how they can avoid them. Like, uh, and I think that's why it's good to have people like, you know, like Todd, like, like me, you know, like anybody, you know, that that has any kind of a business or has anything that you want to do, you need to be trying to reach out to them. Todd can tell you, I probably bugged the shit out of him. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it's good to have those people that you can reach out to that have done it before you because um, they've made mistakes and you can avoid those mistakes. But at the same time, I don't want to say that and, and have people think that let me get all the information from this person before I get started because that's the wrong, that's wrong too. I, I just got started. I just said, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it because for the past couple of years, I've been saying I was going to do stuff, never actually did it. And then now I just start doing it and it's like, I could have been doing this. Like this is, I, I was so hesitant to get started because I didn't want to make a mistake, but now I'm making the mistakes and I'm making money because of it because I'm learning from it. So uh, that's what that's what that tweet is about. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working the job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. I feel like people are going to want to help the person who's working towards something instead of the person who's thinking about working towards something. Um, and they're also going to want to ask questions that prove that you've been actually doing something as opposed to, again, questions that you're like, oh, well, I'm thinking about this. 
It's like, no, I did this, this happened. What do you think? Um, the only other questions that are kind of difficult, I get a lot of very complicated questions in my DMs and it's tough to kind of get to those. I was going to ask you, do people call you, do people compare you to Clay Thompson or to John B. Moore? I get, man, let me go through the list. I get John B., I get French Montana. French Montana, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got a French Montana a ton of times, man. I'm going to... <laughs> I'll post this picture of uh, some one of my boys did a picture of me next to French Montana with the same suit, and I was so heated, oh. man. In the group chat, they killed me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of French Montana. That's funny. Yeah, you ain't got me worried about nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's the main one that gets it. I can see that, bro. That, that. No, I can't unsee it. But, um, <laughs> you know, you talk about mistakes. I mean, when you think about the mistakes made, you just get paralyzed, man. But it's like you said, like, when you move forward, it's like, I could have been doing this a long time ago. And what something I realized, too, is even when you make mistakes, and for me, like, if I'm making mistakes, I'm, it, it hits me hard, like, damn, messed up, messed up, messed up, messed up. I'm thinking about it. But it's like, people forget. Even the people even the people that get mad at you and say, oh, you made this mistake, made this mistake. A week later, them same people are like, oh, you got to meet this guy, man. This guy is great. It's like, last week, you was dogging me out. Like you was, you were mind by every mistake I made. Now it's like, man, you gotta move on. You gotta, you gotta have like, at my job, I, I tell people the only way to do this job is to have a bad memory. You can't, you can't remember yesterday, man. Sometimes the mistakes you made yesterday, you gotta forget them and move on. Like being an athlete, right? You gotta, you gotta forget the play before. If you had a bad play, you gotta keep. You gotta the best athletes forget that play and they're on to the next one. You are gonna make every shot that you take. You gotta have that thought and then be prepared for if you don't. You know, that's that's just kind of how I approach everything. I feel like. That um, I hear that, and then I also hear like the criticism of a lot of business owners, and people will like hold this this mirror of perfection up to business owners like Jay Morrison, like myself, like Chris, and so or Prince Donnell. All these people out here who are doing these things, people are like, oh, you made a mistake. You're this. You're this you're this and I always tell people like that just kind of speaks to um, the immaturity of business owners or the immaturity of the culture as a, as a whole it's like if you haven't ever built a business you're going to see somebody building a business making a mistake and you're going to say okay well, that's just how it works and so I feel like we have to educate the people because we have too many people that aren't doing anything because they're afraid of a mistake and then we also have people who when they do make a mistake we're calling them all kind of names and they are dragging them through the mud and so then when we need to build wealth in the community, we aren't getting the main thing that builds wealth in the community, and that's a business owner. And we're over here thinking that you all got to be employees because employees got to be perfect. Otherwise, you're getting fired. But business owners, we get to make mistakes and get money while we're making mistakes, like Tyler said. Like, I do it all the time. And that's the, that's the, I was talking about how, like, it's actually easier to make money as a business owner than an employee because employees have to be perfect. You got to be perfect to get hired. You got to be perfect to get promoted, to get a raise. But employ uh, business owners, we're out here putting out stuff. Apple puts out a product that needs to be perfected and tweaked. Um, Tesla puts out a product that's be protect perfected and tweaked. But for some reason, we don't see it, man. Like business creates wealth, but business looks like mistakes and problems. And so we're out here trying to do per perfect business and we're not getting started. We're not getting the wealth. And then we're saying we can't get the wealth because somebody else is over there saying we can't get it. Like, no, we can get it. We just got to shift our mindset into what's possible. Yeah, exactly. No, that's... And another thing about mistakes, too, is that you can capitalize on those. So, like, you can you can make a mistake and then you can completely... 
Like, I don't know what it is, but if you fix that mistake that you made, people will love you even more. Yeah. So like it, it, your, your customers, clients, whatever, if you fix a mistake that you made and you own up and take responsibility for it, like you get, you get a lot more credibility in their eyes than if you were to just make a mistake and be like, damn, I made a mistake. I, I'm going to give up now or I'm going to, you know, dwell on it for the rest of the week and let it ruin my whole week. Like it's, it, it's, it's kind of a crazy thing because you did make a mistake, but you can, you can 100% capitalize on it. And that's why I tell people to just get started because you never know what's going to come out of that action. Either you're going to hit the mark and you succeed or you miss the mark and you find a way to succeed, but you're never going to get to success without taking action. But so many people are like, oh man, I got to plan all the way to perfection or plan all the way to success, man. I'm like, F that plan, man. Do something, buy something, invest in something, trade something, do something, promote something. Like that's what's going to get you there. Um, I've had situations where like I've made mistakes and uh, an example is we had built up the options community to a pretty significant size and we had somebody hop in there and he was talking shit and he was <laughs> doing all kind of stuff and I ended up getting admins and I got some dope people who effectively have been able, like I was on a call last night and Shauna was going through like this, um, this study group and she was just killing it. I was like, wow. And they did something else where she like tallied up how much money people made and like I'm like, I would have never thought of this stuff. But like, if you don't get out there and put something out there and build something, like you never really know what's going to come out of it. And I feel like that's why I was, even Raphael, I tell him like, put it out there. We don't even know. People might love it. They might hate it. They might tell you, I don't like this shirt in black. Like, but we'll never know if we try to predict their, what they're thinking. Like, I don't know what they're thinking. Put out the shirt in white, black, brown, orange, whatever. Just put, it, put stuff out there. We got to have a culture in the community of putting stuff out there. Just doing it, promoting it. Um, I was I was thinking about this, how like there's this restaurant in Watts and they sell burgers. And like, I used to go down there and work with them every now and then. But I look at their like Instagram and I was like, that's not the best burger. It doesn't look the best. It's not, that's not the best presentation. It doesn't have the best location. The store is not pretty. It's not sometimes like the cleanest place, but they make millions out of there because they put out something. Yep. Our problem isn't that we're not putting out the perfect, it's that we're not putting out anything at all. We're just over here like, well, I'm scared of putting out stuff. Like I was talking to my mom and I was like, mom, you have all this knowledge, put some stuff out there. She's like, well, I want to learn about the stock market. I said, put a product out there and sell it. You're going to make more money selling a product than you will investing. Why? Because you only have this much money, but you can sell as much stuff as you want. You can get a bunch of money from a, a bunch of people like, yeah, we're still going to invest. And I still invest every day. I still got my options. I got my, my big portfolio, but you're going to make your money selling stuff, putting stuff out there. So if you're listening to this, put more stuff out there, even 24 seven watches. I'm like, why haven't she, why hasn't she released more, more watches? She's still trying to sell the same watch and her watch design is great, but put some more stuff out there, release more stuff, release more stuff, release more stuff. Like more of everything is what's going to get you to where you want to go. Yeah. I had a conversation with my boy about, actually, I had, I think I had three conversations about this today, honestly, because you have, I know you get it. You, you have people that that'll hit you up like, Hey man, what do you think about this idea? And I, like from now on, like what I respond is like, hey man, you'll never know until you try. Like just try, just put it out there. You'll like people will honestly be surprised at how many people will support them once they just put something out there. How many people will want to follow them once people see that they're actually doing something? Like, and it, it's crazy because people don't understand that, and they think everything needs to come from support from their friends and family. And that's just not how the world works. Like, there's. Yeah, however many billions of people in the world, like you, you got like what, five, 10 friends, you know, you got your family, mm -hmm. you're trying to sell to them, you're going to fail, you know? So you're, you're making something that 
you're trying to market to the world and and you have something to say i always tell people this too you have something to say that people should hear so just do it man just just tell just talk about it promote yourself do whatever just launch just start yep charles you said f your opinion what do you own I feel like my the tweets you've been picking are like not really tweets that I put that much thought into. Um, why did I bring that up? I don't even know. I really can't even think of why I said that. Usually I, I would know, but I can't think of anything. I think it has something to do with, I um, can't even think of what it was. We'll pass on that one. You, you also said a protest with my dollars. That's the only protest I'm concerned with. Earning them, employing folks, investing in our, in our communities, and giving money away. So I used to, um, I, live, I work in downtown LA and the, it's so interesting, like in downtown LA, man, like it's actually sad, like the African American population in downtown LA is struggling and nobody ever talks about it. We always talk about somebody gets like shot, but we aren't talking about the lives we could be impacting daily. And I feel like that frustrates me because I feel like it's a contradiction. It's a contradiction to say our lives matter, but we're not investing in them as, as though they do. Like, and that's why I kind of, I, I don't really understand if uh, the whole like Black Lives Matter movement, because it shouldn't just, I feel like in a lot of ways, it's just about punishing police officers and punishing white people and not actually building up black people. Because I'm more concerned with building us up than punishing other people for being mean to us. And if you look at anything I do, that's all I'm concerned with is how can we build us up? How can we invest in our own? How can we become stronger us? And I went to the, to the grocery store, I think like yesterday, and um, there was a brother outside and um, he said something to me I'd never heard anybody say. He said, can you give me $10 so I can get something to eat? And like downtown LA is expensive. So $10 probably won't even get you a meal in downtown LA. And so I was like, man, like usually you give a homeless person like a dollar, $2, like you're going your way. But I went inside the store and I bought what I needed to buy and I got $10 cash back. Probably because he just, he just had the audacity to ask me this question. Um, and then as I was walking out, there was another kid who was literally standing right in front of the door. Like you couldn't get past him if you wanted to. And he was selling candy. So I was like, damn, I can't get past him. I only got a $10 bill. So I gave him five. I didn't take the candy because I never take the candy. I always just give him the money. Then I gave the other dude the five. So he didn't get his 10 because five. But I was like, that's how I give back. I'm either helping people make money. I'm giving money because I have a consistent track record of giving money away. Or I'm investing money and making money. And I was like, that's how I protest. That's how I make a difference. And I feel like maybe that's just because that's who I am. But I wish that there were more that did things like that because the whole idea of we're just going to ask people to be nice to us, it's not working. Somebody tweeted something to say, they said, we've been protesting police brutality for like decades. And I'm like, we probably have been and ain't nothing changed. Like at what point in time do we say, okay, like that didn't work. Let's try something different. Like, or let's continue to do that while we do something else. And so that's why I support the whole, um, the financial Juneteenth and all their stuff where they're trying to buy black. I think that's dope. Like the Bible says money solves all things. And so that's kind of my approach. Um, and that's just where I am. Honestly, like for me, I'm supposed to be that guy. I'm not supposed to be the person necessarily on the front lines doing things like that. I'm supposed to be the person who's behind the scenes making stuff move. And that's what we've seen exist for the longest of time. Like in 1960s civil rights, you had people like uh, Reginald Lewis, you had people like H.R. Russell, you had people like all these big figures who they were making things move financially, not necessarily like down there with the sign. So that's me. You say, Todd? Yeah, no, man, I'm, I mean, I agree with, you know, trying to build up the community rather than, you know, trying to tear other communities down. 
Um, but at the same time, I think it is important to kind of uh, bring light to the fact that, that you know what is what is going on. And I'm not one to complain. Like uh, I don't complain about you know I've been put in this position. I, I, I'm mixed, so I, I've been on both sides. You know, when I'm when I'm in the black community, I'm the white boy. When I'm in the white community, I'm the black guy. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but I just I just feel like it's important to to build up the community, like like Todd's saying. Um, but it's also important to to make sure that that people know what is happening, what's going on. But we just need to we need to all come together and we need to build a plan that that actually helps our community. Um, I, I think you know the I think the what the what the you know the the protesting has done. I, I think it's it's done its purpose in terms of getting they wanted justice for for what happened. So uh, I think it accomplished that. And I think furthermore. Um, they they definitely want to accomplish things for the black community, um, and I, I think it's it's moving in the right direction. But there's a lot more that we do have to do, like Todd's saying, uh, and, and not to go too deep into it. But but yeah, that's I, I agree with Todd. Yeah, also they might people might might be moving in the right direction. We're talking a lot about black business, buy from a black business. Um, I mean, we've heard it before, but. It seems like some something's different around this time, this time around. And I think it was great that Kezia and HBCU Wall Street and the others put together this whole myblackreceipt.com thing. So there might be a little more power behind it this time around. So I'm looking forward to see how that goes. What was what's happening the rest of 2020? Uh, it's definitely it's definitely different this time around. It's definitely a lot more a lot more power behind it i feel like once the protests stop and all the news coverage goes away we'll see what's what's what and what people are already doing if they just yeah. go back to buying gucci sneakers and belts and the crazy the crazy part about it is like i've been doing the work and i'm gonna still do the work so after the protests i'm gonna still do the work because that's just what i do um and i think hpc wall street's still gonna be doing the work like uh, They'll start still be doing the work. So I think that the workers are still gonna be working. Workers right. gonna work, man. The play play is gonna go back to playing, I guess. But might get a few of them this time around. So Tyler, you said tweet, this all happened quick, but it wasn't overnight. Yeah, so I think there's this weird misconception that people have that whenever they see somebody that's successful, that it just it just happened for them overnight. Like there wasn't any work put in. Like it may seem like somebody just came out of nowhere, but there were hours put in, there were days put in, months, years put into that. And I think it's important because, and the reason why I said it is because everybody they're looking to get rich quick nowadays for some reason. Like that's that's what they want. Um, I've I've showed multiple people how to do what I do. But if they don't see the results right away, they're like, oh, all right, well, this this isn't what he said it would be. Like, no, like, you have to put the work in. It, it didn't happen overnight for me. It's not going to happen overnight for you. Um, and that really applies to anything. So um, that's what that tweet was about. I was just, I had a conversation with somebody, um, and they were like, well, when can I, when can I expect to start making money from this? And I'm like, just just put the work in and just and see. Like that's that's really up to you. I mean, for me, how it happened for me is not gonna happen the same way for you. So I can't I can't tell you that. But you need to put in the work first. And I feel like that that's another thing too, is that people are always like hesitant to get started because they don't know when they're gonna see results. And that's that's another that's another crazy thing to me. Um, I, I've had that thought a lot because the Thai Capital brand has been building for so long. Um, I was thinking about this t- t- today. I was like, man, like a lot of what I'm 
doing is possible, not just for the online sales, but because of the options community. But the only reason why the options community exists is because of the Thai Capital Investment Club. And so everything that you're doing is building on it. And I feel like that's why it's so important to do it for the right reasons, as opposed to doing it just to make money. Like when I was trading stocks, and I mean, I still invest in stocks, but when I was doing it, like, it's so crazy. Like you have to have a stronger why than just money. Money is so, it's like nothing. It's like, you have to attach money to like something. And so like the thing for me was money for the engagement ring. Or the thing for me was money so I can buy a car. And so I found that I make better decisions when I attach it to something that means something as opposed to just attaching it to getting rich because rich is so unique. Um, and so I feel like you, that's why it's important to be doing because it's going to take a long time. Like I've been doing this for three to five years, just building and investing to talk out of this, talk out of this, talk out of this. And now it's coming to fruition. And now it's like, the dope thing is once you get a platform, then it kind of grows exponentially. Yeah. And so it's like you work and you're nothing and then you get some success. And now you start being the person who's working on top of success. And so I noticed that because I was watching Amanda Seals interview and I watch a lot of interviews because I like to see how successful people think. And what I took from her story is she didn't just become who she is. Like she was like interviewing Jay-Z back when he was doing like in my lifetime, she was doing like, like working at different radio stations with see the God and all these people. And it's dope to see people, and this is why I read a lot of autobiographies as well, it's dope to see people's journey because the journey isn't just where they end up. We always think like, oh man, Jay-Z's always been Jay-Z or Dame Dash has always been Dame Dash or whatever. Like, no, like they had a grind and they was looking rough. They made it look flashy while they were rough, they were rough but they still had like that rough upstart. And so for me, people see the stuff I'm doing now, but they didn't see all the free work I was doing, all the free work I continue to do. And so like it did happen quick because I think about that. I was like, man, like I made a lot of money really quick. I made a lot of money from like February to now, but I didn't really make that money from February until now. I made that money from like 2016 until now. And now I'm just cashing in on that. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Like you said in the course, uh, the money you make overnight is the, from the work you put in over time. Yeah, absolutely. Or something like that. You also said, Charles, the best thing to do is be successful. <laughs> I watch a lot of interviews, but Angela Yee, Angela Yee actually said that. Um, and she was, I think she was talking about like all like the difficulties that they had or like different, like, I forgot what the premise of that was, but like, that's what I stand on. Um, I tweeted something about this recently about just like success in America and like race issues. I was like, bro, like, I just want us to win. I don't really care if they like us or not. Like when you are a winner, you're likely not going to be liked in the first place. So, mm. I mean... People always kind of hate against like the Caucasian man because he's winning. They don't hate him because he's Caucasian and male. They hate him because he's Caucasian, male, and winning. And so the thing is, you just got to become a winner and not become liked because being liked might mean that you're last. And I take this from uh, Michael Jordan. Like they hated Michael Jordan when he was playing. Oh, he's mean. He's a bad teammate. He's 
too competitive, but he was a winner. And so, like, for me, I'm more focused on being a winner than I am being liked. And that's why I don't like being an employee. Because when you're an employee, you have to be liked. And if you have to be liked, it's very difficult to operate at your maximum maximum capacity. Because when I was in college, um, I was in a frat. And, like, I'll never forget, one of my frat brothers pulled me aside. And he was like, yeah, man, people are not really feeling you. You Like, they say you're arrogant. They say you're cocky. Blah, blah, blah. And so I had to tone it down and be more humble and be more civil and, like, be nice to people and, like, be friendly. And, like, I became popular. But I was, like, I was listening to Curtis, and he was, like, I never switched and made it rich. And I was, like, man, like, once I really got out of here, I never really switched. I stayed me. I'm going to tweet some shit that's going to piss you off, but I'm going to still work my ass off. I'm going to get mad. I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to get pissed off. But that anger is actually what pushes the drive. And so they all work together. And so I just feel like in my life, there have been people who have said whatever they have to say. But when I win, they come back and they're like, okay, yeah. So it's like, I I just focus on winning, man. I focus on being successful. I do not focus on people liking me because a lot of times people's like is based on a bias of them winning. And if they're winning, guess who's not winning? Yeah, no. And I think that's uh, when when you talk about how you impact, you know, the the black community and things like that. That that tweet is kind of what I think about is that you're you're kind of saying that you know being successful is the best thing that we can do. Um, and, and that's that's every time I see stuff like that, I feel like it it can get misconstrued by people. And uh, like I'm I'm definitely a supporter supporter of the movement, and like you know my wife is too and stuff like that. So whenever I see a tweet or she sees a tweet, sometimes we'll talk about it or one of your tweets. We'll talk about it and me and her will we'll see, you know, different sides of it and we'll kind of bring it together and talk about it. And uh, that's that's kind of what I bring from what you say. Like you're always talking about the best thing we can do, you know, is be successful. We've got to uplift each other. we got to grow our community, things like that. We got to empower our community, and and that's what I get out of what you're saying. So, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, that kind of tied into it. So, I feel like the crazy part about it is, I always tell people like I'm not first gen. Like my parents are successful, my grandparents are successful, and they're all black. <laughs> They've all had ancestors who suffered through slavery. They've all been through Jim Crow. <laughs> all these things and what they focus on is just doing the right stuff they don't focus on getting people to change they don't focus on getting people to be nice to them they don't focus on any of that stuff they just focused on getting education two-parent households going to church being religious having principles and that, those are the things that allow them to win they might not have changed the way white people thought about them but they lived a very good life they lived a healthy life and they lived a comfortable life and that's what i want for people is i want us to live healthy comfortable safe lives i don't really care if white people like us i don't really care if anybody like i don't black people don't even like me when you do stuff <laughs> like that black folks ain't even gonna like you so if you live your life for the likes you're going to be starving from the booze, like they say. Like, I don't care. Is my son, does he have assets? Yes. Is my wife, does she have to go back to work? No. Do we have a house in a great neighborhood? Yes. That's all I need. That's all I, I'm, I'm set. I can retire. <laughs> <laughs> and white folks ain't changed yet. And I did all that stuff. Uh, I, would, I would say, listen to you guys, um, thinking about this tweet now, the best thing to do by is... The way, hmm? By the way, I, I, by the way, I don't have any animosity towards Caucasian people because I feel like in a lot of ways, they've looked out. They're dope. They're dope. So, like, I feel like that's the thing. Is like, I don't want to say, like, like, them liking me is a problem because for the most part, 
I never had any problems with them. I've never really experienced like blatant racism, like the N word, like oppression, all that stuff. We just be chilling. They be helping me. I be helping them. You have- like I've I've lived a, a predominantly white life my whole life. Maybe that makes me biased, but I always tell people like you got to kind of see both sides. And I don't think that people on the internet have seen both sides. I feel like they've seen one side and then they speak as though they know everything. I was thinking about that, how like it's dangerous to get your white experiences only from black people, where a black person is telling you like, oh, white people like this and vice versa. It's dangerous to only get your black experiences through white people. And a lot of people do that too. So it's like, they'll say, oh man, black people like this. And I feel like that could probably be the problem that we're having is people are in their own circles and they're talking about each other. And like, mm. I think that even happens on social media. Like people, they get in their own circles and they talk about like, Todd's like this, Todd's like that, Todd's like this. And so there's like, I hate Todd too, but you don't even know me. <laughs> you don't even know these people and you hate them. But if maybe if you got to know them, maybe you realize like, they got the same problems as you. They out there trying to just make sure the family's good, make sure they can got it. They got a good job, getting raised, going to vacation. You know, it's crazy, man. Is that I've actually had, I've had those experiences. I've had, and, and I'm probably like the lightest any type of black person you'll ever meet. But I've still had those those experiences with racism like i'm from so i'm from saginaw michigan which is like one of the most segregated cities in the country so there's literally like a river that separates where white people live and where black people live so uh it was just always like a it was like a crazy experience for me because my freshman year of high school my mom sent me to a catholic school and like i had like i I don't know why, but I, I had a lot of, there was a lot of racism at that school. Um, and I had to deal with that. And I left that school after my freshman year there. Uh, and then I went to, uh, I went to another school, which was cool. It was, it was pretty mixed. And then after that, I was like one of the only, only white people at the school, uh, at, the, at the school that I ultimately graduated from. So, um, I mean, I've had those experiences and it's, I don't have any animosity towards it's hard to say like yo I don't like a whole race of people I feel like which is that's why the racism thing is so crazy to me like how can you hate somebody that you've never met I, it doesn't matter like your skin color you've never met this person and you you literally have a bias towards them but I've experienced this so I know I know that it's it's out there and it's real but um I would never I would never just hate on an entire race of people or say I don't care about these people at all so I have a question how did you get your wife to let you put three TVs up on the wall? <laughs> um, it took it took a little bit, man, because my <laughs> wife is she's really like the she's like the uh, she's the reasonable one. Like I'm the one that always wants to do. Hey, let's get three TVs. Let's get three Xboxes. Get a PlayStation. Let's do all this. Let's let's set up a theater room. Like, and she'll be like, okay, let's start with this and then we could do this. And then, so, so kind of how it actually happened was I, I, uh, I had moved here from Michigan and I, I already had two kids in Michigan. My whole goal when I moved here was like to ultimately get custody of them, uh, which I did. So when that happened, I was like, okay, I'm going to make this dope for them. And my wife was, was cool with it too. And I'm like, this is going to be a place where we can come and we can all spend time. We can play the game together. Um, but it was just something kind of to, to celebrate me getting getting custody of my kids. Cool. Dope. Shout out to that, man. Shout out to fatherhood. Yeah, it's the best That's thing cool. ever.
That's cool. I was saying, um, going back to the tweet real quick, the best thing to do is be successful. Two things that jumped out at me as you guys were talking is like, one, best thing for the black community is for us to be successful because one, to be successful, regardless of how you define it, you have to put in work. So it's like how Charles always talks about he puts in work for the community. So to be successful, you got to put in work. Whether you're getting money, you're going moving forward in your job, you have, you're successful as a father, a husband, whatever, that means you put in some type of work somehow. And that will only further the community in some way. And number two, the best thing to be successful is like you, you we all on social media and we can't help everybody personally. Sometimes you, you just got to show them a way, but inspiration, you know? So as that's, if that's the least that you can do, it still means a lot. So I think, um, I feel like sometimes we glamour glamorize the actual end result a bit a little bit too much. Instead of glamorizing the process and what it will make of you. Like there's this quote and it says like become a millionaire not for the money but for what it will make of you to become it. And so it's like it really will make you a better person. You stop doing certain things, you stop going certain places, you stop spending money on certain things. And that ultimately makes you a better person. Also, you start hanging around different people. You start listening to uh, better stuff. I was like, I can't wait for when my son gets to that age and he's like listening to Les Brown with me. Or he's like listening to like, what if this dude was growing up eight, eight years old listening to Dame Dash? Like, <laughs> like that's dope to me. Like, he's boss, don't work for him. Like, like, that is the process. The process is what's going to perfect you. So it's like, if we have a bunch of people who are pushing towards that. We're better off, man. We're better off whether, even if we don't get to the ultimate pinnacle, like if we don't even like, like, you look at the, st- the stats, I think it's either 1,700 or 17,000 net worth per African-American family versus like 170,000 for Caucasian families. So I'm like, we're so focused on equality, but what if we just got 100 grand per family? I think that's dope, but we're not going to get there if we just keep looking and pointing. We're going to get there if we start doing the work and pressing towards, and we might surpass it. You might be like, you know what, like 170 ain't shit if we out here really getting it, if we out here really building a business, out here really focusing. And I feel like that's what's so important is the work, like you said. Yeah. So, Todd, you said, this one's kind of funny. You were talking about French Montana at the beginning. I have been called the bar ball on more than one occasion. I'll take that as a compliment. A what? He said, I have been called the bar ball on more than one occasion. I'll take that as a compliment. You got to talk about LeVar Ball more, man. Oh, LeVar Ball? Oh, yeah. Yeah, LeVar Ball is dope, man. Let me just tell you that, first of all, man. The hate that he gets is, I mean, it's, it's just absolutely crazy. If you have kids that are as successful as his kids are, he's done his job. That's <laughs> that's all that matters right there. Um but the reason why I made that tweet is because I have kids of my own. Um, they, uh, both of my boys, they, they play sports. Um, and they're really good basketball players. They're actually really good athletes. Like, I could put them in any sport and they'll, they'll really do well. But, uh, but basketball is, is – I played basketball in college. Uh, so that's kind of the thing that they latched on to. When, when my first – when my oldest son was born – I was I was still playing in college, so he got to watch me play when he was a baby. So, um, but yeah, so I, I'm the one in the stands, like <laughs> like talking to them, telling them like, "Hey, man, you got to pick it up." You know, you, you you playing soft out there, stuff like that. Um, I end up coaching them. You know, I'm I'm tough on them, but I make sure they they know it's because I love them and I want the, them to be the best. And if it's something that want to do and I mean granted they're nine and six years old and they tell me they want to go to the NBA but if that's something they want to do then I'm gonna do everything I can to get them there 
And I feel like LeVar Ball is like, he, he's the prototype for that. Like if you, if you think about somebody really supporting their kids and, you know, uh, really manifesting what he's put out there, he's done that. I mean, he said his son was going to go to the Lakers. He said he was going to be yeah. uh, a lottery pick. LaMelo Ball is going to be a lottery pick. That's one of the, yeah. I've watched him play in person. He's one of the best high school players I've ever watched play. Uh, and then even, even his son, Leangelo isn't, isn't bad. I think he's in the G league right now. So, um, but I just, I just said that because there are a lot of people that would hate on LeVar Ball and what he's doing, but uh, that's something I would love to be a LeVar Ball and have my kids have the success that his have. So they're, they're living the dream, man. Everybody's is rich over there. Exactly. So why, why, why hate on that? Why say any, I have anything to say about that. And then on top of that, on top of that, his, he, he's like, he's the rock for his family. He's the man of, of his house. Like he's literally taking care of his wife who's sick. Like that, I look at that and I'm like, man, it was just dope, man. He's he's really taking care of business, and I would like to be that person. That's that's how I look at it. I mean, if you really look at his accomplishments, though, like you, people talk about his sons, but first of all, he got his son to be a, a, a number two pick in the draft. Got him to the team where he said he was going to be, even though he got traded. You think about it. He started Big Baller Brand, the company. I mean. There's not so many of us that start companies, period, whether it's successful or not. He put that out on the front. Like, that was on everybody's mind. Everybody's talking about Big Baller brand, shoes, crappy, um, whatever, overpriced, crappy materials, crappy designs. They had all this stuff to say, but they were talking about it. And people bought the stuff. People bought it. Yeah. This is another example of us not understanding business. Um, And what's unfortunate, it is our comments and our criticism maybe killed that business Uh, i'm not sure if it was us also compared to like the bad deals they were putting together but like like i've always admired him just for the fact that he was willing to take on nike willing to take on adidas willing to bet on himself like that's what i stand for if you haven't figured it out yet (laughs) like that's 100 me but what's what's frustrating is like well i would say this I think that we have to kind of mature to the point where we start seeing stuff like that and just knowing it's a part of success. Like us as a community, as we become more business oriented, more investor mindset, more ownership oriented, we got to see like, hey, like they're hating on him, but he's creating something like crappy materials, price be damned. Like he created something. He put something out there. He was willing to say, criticize me because there's a lot of people out there who would never even start. They would go sign some crappy deal with Nike. They would get screwed. And then they'd be sitting like, look what Nike did to me. Like, you could have just did your own thing. Like, if you were betting yourself. So I feel like all the bosses were cheering them on. Jay-Z bought pairs. I think Nipsey was supporting them. Um, Everybody was supporting him. Dame Dash to show respect to him. Like, the dude changed the world. And sometimes your failure still changed the world because the JBA changed the world. I think they're talking about paying NCAA athletes now. They're paying, uh, I think, G League athletes now. Like, you got to, we got to, be striking out there and being pioneers and not being afraid of other people, not being afraid of whatever they have and, and creating some stuff. So I support the ball ball. I didn't know that's one thing I was going to say is that I noticed that kids who have that father tend to surpass other people who don't. So if you have somebody pushing you and coaching you and teaching you what he knows from his, his experience, your kids are going to go far. And a part of it is talent. And a lot of it is just like that environment that you're putting them in. So that's dope. Yeah, no, another thing about the, the whole of our ball thing, too, is that I feel like a lot, a lot of people in our community, they're not used to seeing people create stuff. So they're just like, yeah. they're, their first thing is like, this isn't normal. This isn't normal. Like, 
why is he doing this? How is he doing this? Like, and it's it's crazy that the first instinct that they get is to think negatively. Like, this isn't normal. Like, this isn't supposed to be happening. So, what can I do to 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 make sure it doesn't it doesn't happen? I feel like that's that's like a barrier that we have to that we have to cross that, that other communities don't have to. Like, I mean, if you look at if you look at like the, the the Middle Eastern community, you look at you know the Asian community, they support each other. Like, and we just got to make sure we get to that point. Yep. Yeah, it's it's like it's kind of like you said. I remember when uh, Jay Morrison first came out with Tulsa Real Estate Fund, and people were criticizing, 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 and they were like saying, like, "Man, he's charging all this money for like ma- management fees. Then you only get in fifty percent on the profits, and this and that." It's like it's all like scam. It's selling too much money. He's taking all this money before you even see anything. I remember Erica Williams came on YouTube and she said, "Man, you can tell by your conversation that you've never been. A, you people have never been a part of these type of deals." And then she came with another video saying showing like i think it was like 18 like hedge funds and different types of funds run by black people showing like okay it's being done it's being done by other black people like y'all gotta wake up and see new things and become a part of things and get used to this man it's like charles i think charles talked about it before like exposure exposure to things like this man you gotta you gotta become parts of things like this and he set the blueprint especially like charles mentioned the jbl this guy created a professional basketball league. So what if it only lasted one season? How many of us can say that? You can talk about it was high school players, crappy talent. He didn't get a TV deal he wanted, but he put it on Facebook. He didn't let anything stop him. I can't get a TV deal. He adjusted every right. time. Every time something happened, he adjusted. That's what I'm saying. Look at the pressure that he put on the NCAA now. Look at the pressure that he's put on all these shoe brands. Like, like now people are like, oh, this can happen. This can be done now. So now the NCAA is like, dang, we got to loosen up a little bit. We got to start playing these guys, which they should have been doing in my mind. But, you know, now they're starting to realize because the, the masses are realizing like, oh, we can we can do this for ourselves now. We don't need them. And I think that's that's I mean, that's dope. And that's why I say that you got to kill him with success. He said hit him with finesse, kill him with success. So, like, we can't be out here begging them to do it for us now we got to do it for ourselves, and then we come to the table as potential partners not potential employees looking for a raise so it's like what lavar ball did is basically black excellence it's like us bossing up us saying f you i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do i'm gonna create something that's just as good it might not be perfect but it will be perfected and then the world adapts to you the world is not adapting to us. If you read the book, The Jewish Phenomenon, they say that Jews couldn't get hired at white firms, so they created their own firms. They couldn't get hired at white law firms, they created their own law firms. They couldn't get created at white investment firms, they created their own investment firms. And you know what happened? The world adapted. The world respects people who boss up and do what they got to do. The world doesn't respect people who throw a pity party. Like, people have seen that. That's true across the board. We can go from the ghetto to the ghetto to downtown LA. Like, the world respects people. Like, that's one of the biggest frustrations for me about walking through the city is I see folks who've just given up. And I'm like, bro, like, all you got to do is get a job. You can get drunk afterwards. You don't got to get drunk during the day. Just get drunk after the day. Like, it's, do that. 
Like, why? That's just too, the world, it's too many hours, man. That's one of the things that frustrates me and I was telling my mom this. I was like, bro, like, if people knew what I did while I was getting here, like, driving Uber at nighttime, working bullshit jobs with a college degree, doing what I had to do to get there, I did not let anything stop me. This shit is not like, I went from this firm to this firm to this firm. Like, no, like, I have lost jobs. I've, like, moved back home. I've done a lot of stuff to get to where I got to get to. And now a lot of stuff is coming to fruition. But you know what I never did? I never quit. I didn't never say, like, it's just it's just too hard. They ain't going to let a black man win. Like, no, like, I figured out a way to get it. And I continue to press forward. And I feel like that's what frustrates me about, like, where we are. It's like, people, they just kind of, like, they're like, there's nothing that we can do to solve this. So now the only thing we can do is just ask them very nicely. And I was telling people, I was like, it's like, like the world kind of shifts. And so if you only get things that are given to you, what happens is, is when the world changes, you got to come back to them and ask them for something. And I was having this thought and it had nothing to do with like race or anything. It had something to do with a laptop. And I was looking at like um, somebody had got a laptop and like their dad had bought them the laptop. I'm like, yeah, look at my laptop. And like now they need a new laptop because the laptop's old. And it's like, who's going to buy the new laptop? Nobody. He's going to be sitting there looking for a laptop. But I was like, instead, if you were to bossed up, you buy your own laptop. When you get your laptop, when a new update comes out, you get that laptop too. And the same thing is true about progress. Like progress evolves. We went from slavery to Jim Crow. It's the same thing as white versus black. It just evolved. Now we come to here where we're having like civil, what do they call it? Um, what do they call that thing? Civil justice or something? I don't know. Civil something. Something. So now we're at this new like thing where we need to figure out how to make our lives matter. But it just evolved because we didn't boss up. But when we have bossed up, everything worked out. And so we have to have that immigrant mindset where we know we got to build for our own and build for ourselves while also kind of playing the political game. So you got to kind of play both fields, I guess. Mm-hmm. And real quick, I almost forgot. You said um, you were talking about, oh, Become a millionaire, just not because not not for the million dollars, but to for what it makes you, for what you become on the way to becoming a millionaire. Just wanted to say to the listeners: if you don't know Jim Rohn, you gotta check out Jim Rohn, man. Like on YouTube, he got some good stuff on YouTube. Jim Rohn, he passed away like over a decade ago, I think. But check out Jim Rohn, R O H, and especially when he starts talking about the worst thing you can be is broke unless you're sick. <laughs> So you can't, but it can't get worse than being broke and sick unless you're ugly. So broke, ugly, and sick, but can't get worse than that. But anyway, moving on, Charles, you said for so long, we couldn't do business because we were priced out due to not being able to afford inventory. Um, I did. I love what e-com has allowed people to become. Um, it lowered the barrier of entry to like damn near zero. Um, and I feel like it allows us to compete because if you look at, I want to say, I think the reason why I had this thought is because I was looking at, I think, Dr. Boyce Watkins. Was it Dr. Boyce Watkins? No, it wasn't Dr. Boyce Watkins. It was uh, somebody. Somebody made a video of the uh, George Floyd killing. Oh, it was uh, Hassan Minaj. And he was breaking down the, the, the killing. And he was like, man. So he wasn't even looking at the, he was like kind of coming at like, like Asian immigrants. And he was like, man, like I'm looking at the officer who has his knee on his neck. But I also see that there's an Asian American officer who's just like kind of looking away, protecting. And then I also see that the person who called the cops on George Floyd was actually Arab American. And I was thinking, I was like, why do we own those stores? Why does an Arab American get to come into an African American neighborhood and own the stores? Why? Because we couldn't afford to own the stores ourselves. Or we didn't want to because it was just dangerous. 
Like just being in the hood, open up a store, most folks are like, I'm not doing that. But e-com solves that problem. So e-com allows us to go into business, make millions overnight, and change our families' lives. And so like you've seen it with like, I went to, I actually went to college with Jackie Aina, and she's kind of been like the biggest inspiration for me for doubling down on my brand. I don't know if you guys know Jackie, but Jackie like blew up. When I was in college, Jackie was nobody. She started making YouTube videos, and now she's like a multi-millionaire. Um, so if you guys Google her, find her, she's on Instagram, she's on uh, Twitter, she's like super successful. Thank and you. so I had this thought of like, bro, like you, I used to think that you had to go to like the elite of the elite colleges to make it big. And then she made it big. And I kind of just like, it kind of opened my eyes to what was possible for me. But I say all that to say that it's dope to see what Dantes is doing. That guy's doing like 10K, I think weeks. And he's 19 because of the internet. There's another girl, her name is like Twiley or something. She's doing like numbers. Of course, Chris is doing numbers. I'm doing numbers. Like everybody's doing numbers. And it's all because the internet has allowed us to go into business without having to get a business loan, without having to get a whole bunch of money on like inventory, without having to do all this stuff because we could just create products with our mind and put it to market. So I think that's so dope, but it's just interesting to see. And I hope that nothing changes because while back, I was trying to get an e-com and I couldn't because you had to pay like a crazy amount of money to get a website designed and get like a payment gateway. And I think Gumroad has allowed people to kind of like cross that threshold. And so that that's why the people will hate on Gumroad. But it's like, why should we have to pay a bunch of money to go into business? I don't think they should have to do that. What's your what's your thoughts on the whole e-com possibilities? So e-com, man. So I actually, uh, I worked at, at GoDaddy for... Uh, I think two or three years. Uh, in Arizona, I was like, yeah, yeah. I was a, I was a small business consultant. So I was the they one. Always call me this from Arizona, so that's why I figured that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was my, that was like my first job when I came out here. It was actually pretty dope. Their office has like slides that go down into like the. It's dope, but, um, but yeah. So the the econ part, I, I think it's dope because like he said, it, it it allows. There's like it lowers the barrier to entry for these things. So. People are able to produce their brand, design their own product, and sell it through their own website. Um, they don't need a storefront. They don't need a bunch of capital up front to do it. Um, and there are people out there that, that, that can market, that have followings, that now can capitalize on those things rather than them having to worry about uh, getting a bunch of money to start up. Um, and I think that's dope. And I think it's, I honestly think it's a way, way of the future. I think, uh, especially with all this craziness right now, like there are, e-com has blown up in these past like couple month, months, I feel like. So, um, and I don't think that the brick and mortar establishments, uh, they'll, they'll get back to normal, but I just feel like e-com is going to just continue to surpass and, and just and just blow up just because of what this the situation that we're in now. Let's think about e-commerce. You can make money worldwide. So many yeah. people hit me up and like, man, I'm trying to buy a course and I'm in Ghana. I'm trying to buy a course. I'm in the UK. I'm in Canada. I'm in Trinidad and Tobago. I'm in somebody said somewhere I forgot like Tarzana. I was like, this is crazy. Like people like all over the world want to buy like your stuff, and you can do that because the internet is worldwide. You couldn't do that before, so that means that the money is worldwide as well. So now we're not even just making American money. Now we're making Canadian money. I had an admin. I went to go send them money and it, it like converted it to the Canadian dollar. I literally didn't even know he was from Canada. <laughs> you can't even tell. We all speak English, but um, I just, I love what's going on. I want more people to take advantage of it, but if they don't, I am. So it is what it is. Yeah. You're saying like the international money. I always see them saying, does this work in Nigeria? Does this work? When they, when they talk about your course, 
And if you're doing e-com, the whole planet is is your audience. And if you're doing digital products, you don't have to even pay for the the actual money for shipping. Like you know, in the United States, you might charge five bucks for shipping, but overseas, you gotta charge like twenty, some yeah, crazy numbers sometimes. Uh, digital products is almost instantaneous. You get money from anybody anywhere on the planet. You know, as long as they got an internet connection and a card, whether it's theirs or somebody else's. But anyway, you know. So Tyler, you was I think this one this was, was really interesting. You said on your pinned tweet, showed my nine-year-old son his investment account today. He came downstairs with his piggy bank, emptied it out, and said, I want more stocks. I thought that yeah, was just man. a cool, I mean, I don't know if that's really something you learn from, but I just think that's a cool tweet, man. No, that was like, that was like a proud dad moment for me. Like I was, I was just going through, I was looking at my investment account and he was, he was sitting there. I was like, you want to see, you want to see yours? And then he was like, yeah, let me see it. So I showed him and I showed, I showed him his account and he had started off with like a hundred dollars or something. And it was at like 200 and something, 300 and something dollars. And he was like, he was like, dang, he was like, I have an investment account with like 300 and something dollars in it. And I had just started it like a little bit ago. So I just wanted to see what I could do with that first hundred dollars. Um, and then he was like, uh, he was like, so can I put more money in there? And I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and then he was like, so he was like, can I put whatever's in my piggy bank in there? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's cool. And then next thing I know, he's coming down with his piggy bank, emptying it out, separating all the quarters and pennies and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I want to put all this in there. And I'm like, I'm like, whatever money you want to put in there from now on, I'll match it. So, uh, so now his, uh, his little brother came down with his piggy bank. Like, yeah, I want to, I want to do it too. Put my money in there. So it's cool because it used to be whenever I give them money, it would be gone in 10 seconds on Fortnite. So that's, <laughs> that's, it's a good change of pace for me. You know, they want to, they want to invest. And it's something that I never learned, man. So like, it's kind of crazy that I'm, you know, that I started learning about this at 28 years old. Uh, I was raised by my mom, single mom. So um, we kind of struggled to get by. I never knew really the importance of money until, until recently. So um, I don't, I don't want them to have that disadvantage. I want them to have the advantage at 18 years old. They, they can have control of their accounts. Um, and I just think that's, that's like one of the most important things that I can do is teach them some kind of financial literacy. So, uh, they're not behind. I think it's, it's interesting because like people will become what you've exposed them to. And what's dope is kids take an interest in what you expose them to also. So it's like, I think we just have to be conscious for exposing our kids to because that's what they're going to take an interest in. And if we're making sure that they take an interest in investing in real estate and all these things, like I saw Trump City Buyers, their daughter was reading a book on real estate today and she's like, maybe nine, I think. But it's just, it's so important to instill those good things in the child because then they take it on. Like for me, I always tell people like, I didn't be, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't born Todd Millie. Like my mom is Todd Millie. She's put a bunch of Todd Millie stuff in me and I just became Todd Millie. And so like, that's my goal with my son is to put dope stuff in him knowing that he's going to take it and he's going to run with it. So it's like a lot of times the child is really just a reflection. Not a lot of times, but all the time, a child is just a reflection of the parent. It's like, what do we do? What do we not do? Yeah. And that's a, 
I mean, that's an interesting thing, too, because growing up, you know, for me, my dad, you know, was in and out of prison, things like that. So it's like I had to always look at that and be like, that's not I don't want to be like that. Mm-hmm. So I had to stay away from that. So, I mean, parents can teach us different ways. You know what I'm saying? So that's how he taught me. It wasn't it wasn't intentional. It wasn't something that I enjoyed, but it's like I learned from it. And I know that I can't I have to be a different uh a different father from my children. I have to be present. I have to make sure I avoid those situations. And that's and that's what I'm doing like with the investment thing, with basketball. I'm making sure I'm always present. That's my whole thing is that I have to be there. Yeah. It's funny you say that about your father being in and out of jail. Uh, Jim Rohn said, like, it's too bad they don't pay losers to give seminars because nobody wants to pay a loser, but you can learn so much from them what not to do. Yeah. But, you know, I was talking about... Hmm? What'd you, what'd you guys think about credit that time? What'd you guys think about the Robert Kiy- Kiyosaki tweet? A lot of people were upset about his tweet. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if you saw it or if you read it, but I saw it, yeah. I feel like his language is a little bit hard. Um, disappointing, I think. Disappointing. I remember I just thought I just stopped following him. I unfollowed him recently for something. And I feel like it's the tweet you're talking about, but I'm not positive. He said something about we we supporting the losers too much instead and of and stuff like that. Instead of supporting the police. Oh, no, no. oh yeah, you didn't I, see that one. I forget what it was, um, but it was something about we support we showing too much support for for losers and felons, and instead of showing support for the police. I forget so, what else he said. The only thing I will say is I. I would prefer somebody to be honest with me than bullshit me um, because then I can actually plan for how I'm going to go forward. So sometimes people, they, they share things and they're sharing not just how they feel, but they're sharing how the people around them feel. So that's not just a conversation. That's not, not just an idea that he thinks. It's probably an idea that people around him think. And so this is why I think it's so important for there to be open dialogue on these issues. A lot of times people only want to hear stuff that agrees with what they're saying. And if it's not what they agree with, it's cancel season. And that's a problem because we have to have honest, open dialogue. If somebody views you as such, you have to then come back and say, maybe that's not true. But what happens is you you reach a middle ground. And this is why I've never really been so pro it's police versus black people. And I don't know why this is turning into a racial show, but I never really, I guess every show is a racial show on a Black Wolf podcast, but I never really been like it's police versus black people. Like it's police versus a certain type of black people. But the problem is you can't say that. And so what happens is you get two sides to the extreme. And this is why America operates like this. America operates Democrat and Republican. We come in, we argue it out. I have my extreme views, you have your extreme views, and the, the, the solution's in the middle. It might not look like the middle. It's not a compromise, but it's in there somewhere. It's not in the extremes. And so Robert Kiyosaki sharing his opinion, he might be wrong, but he's not all wrong. Us sharing our opinion, it might be not completely accurate, but there's some truth to it and the solutions in the middle. And that's my thing. I think that we have to we have to create a community where we can share opinions that are different. It shouldn't just be like I say all the time, black lives that agree with me matter. It should be black lives matter. I'm black and I have an opinion. My experience might not be the same as other people, but it matters. And so I feel like I should be able to share that with people. And it shouldn't just be like, oh, black lives who grew up in this community, in this environment, under these circumstances, they matter. Like, no, like we're all black. We all have lives. We all matter. 
real opinions, they all matter. And I think that that's the only way we're going to get an actual workable solution, not just more groupthink, not just more, we have an agenda, we're going to beat you over the head with it. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I don't, I didn't see the, I didn't see the tweet, but I mean, the only thing that I would say that, that like, I didn't see the tweet. So, and I don't know what the context of the tweet was, but from, from what you guys are saying, it kind of sounds like, you know, the way that I'm, I'm hearing people that I know thinking about it would be that he's basically saying that um, the lives of those people that, that, that passed away, that were, that were murdered, that were killed, like those lives, the, the police are the, are the ones that we should be supporting and not, not trying to find justice for those lives. And I could, I could see that coming from that tweet. I don't know if that's what he meant at all. But I can see how that that can get misconstrued and, and and kind of misinterpreted. Yeah, I mean, that's why. But that's probably why when when you find somebody that you like what they say, you can't you gotta look at them more like a mentor than a hero, like so that you don't get your heart broke when they come out and say some stuff that like hurts your feelings or yeah, like how many how many thing. how many black people you see on Twitter spitting out all the Kiyosaki stuff. Well, you know, an asset is something that puts money in your pocket, not takes money out of your pocket. People love rich dad, poor dad. But how do those people feel now after they see this tweet? You can't have these people as your heroes. Yeah. You gotta take what you you gotta take what you, you, you can get from them and realize that you don't really know a person. Like if they got good advice, good financial advice, whatever it is, take that and try not to get too caught up in hero worship. Yeah, I always tell my kids like they, you know, they're athletes, they they wanna get signatures, they wanna take pictures, stuff like that and I was, I'm always like, nah, we're we're good. Like, you know, one day they want to take a picture with you. So I, I always make sure that it's like not a I don't I don't like them to try to idolize people and things like that because of situations like this. You never really know a person, you know their talent, you know, you know that what they've allowed you to see. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't let my kids really idolize people. I don't really idolize too many people either. Yeah, that Charles you say having enough money to not just invest, but to allow your investments to mature is something we don't talk about. Um, I knew you were going to pick this tweet, and I'm happy that you did, um, because I was going to write a blog post about this, and I was listening to the um, the conversation last night on the community thing, and they were talking about how, like, oh, if you're investing your rent money or if you're investing your PPP money, then, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, like, when I was younger, I used to just invest what I had. And so, like, when you're investing what you have, you're probably counting on that money to do something different with it. And so that means if you come into a situation like we're in right now where the market's not really doing what you, what you wanted to do, but you know that later it will, you're going to have to cut your losses and take your money. But I'm in a situation now where like I made a bunch of money and then it kind of dipped down a little bit, but I'm like, I know it's going to come back, but I don't really need that money. So I can just hold it there. And I was like, it's dope that I have enough money to pay my bills. I have enough money to make sure that this large investment pays off. And I think that's why the rich get rich because they can invest and still live. Whereas most people, they got to choose. It's like, I'm either going to live or I'm going to invest. And so that time is looking to give you your money because if I can make another hundred grand just by waiting six months, but I had to pull my money out because I had to pay the rent, now I'm fucked. And so Chris was talking about that. He was like, you have to be able, like being, not needing money is the ultimate hack. And so like, if you have money in savings, you have money in your checking account, money in all these different accounts, then you have the ability to let your stuff kind of play out. And I've realized that like, even with the group investing, like certain people are like, man, rolling ahead, I gotta go. And that's when opportunities are hitting. Now our homes are like doubling in value, tripling in value, it's crazy. 
or like um, stocks, like the stocks are like down in the market. People are like, I got to go now. Like I got to sell my cash, like get my money out. And so if you don't have enough cash to weather the storm, you're going to lose when it's time to win. The people who win are the people who have cash. People don't have cash. And so like, that's the person that you have to position yourself to be. And that's the person that I just saw recently, like in my brokerage account, I was like, you know what? Like it sucks, but I know that in six months it's going to play out. It might play out sooner. It might play out a little bit later, but at least I can let it play out. At least I can make a hundred thousand dollars for doing nothing. Like <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the money just coming to me just because I know I got other cash coming in. And so like, I think that's the place that people should aspire to be not just having the cash to invest, but having the cash to invest and also having the cash to live. Like that's the true goal. Yeah. And kind of to go off of that too, like I think, I think when it comes to investing, the, the most important thing is a long game. Like, you know, people people get into investing trying to make a quick buck too, which is, I mean, whatever. But it's all about the long game. Any any profits that I get is going back into my long-term portfolio if it's from options. So, like, people always have to make sure that whatever they're doing, they're working on their long-term portfolio too. I try to tell people that all the time. But what, what you just said reminded me of that. What's crazy is, like, sometimes people who have cash will just stall out people. Because they're like, they're going to run out of cash eventually and they'll have to sell to me for a discount. I used to work in a family office and we would just drag out deals because when the deal takes longer, people get desperate. They get desperate, they take less money. And so like, if you're the kind of person that you can't wait, they're going to stall it out. Like, I feel like that's kind of been a lot of sense what happened to Robinhood traders. They saw people making a bunch of money on Robinhood. And so the big guys were like, nah, we got to figure out something to do about this. So they stepped in, they started kind of manipulating the market a little bit. And so now people aren't making as much money because if you make too much money, you ain't gonna go work for them. And so I feel like like you gotta have cash to wait. I gotta put that on a tweet. That's you gotta have cash to wait. <laughs> wrap it up, bro. All right, so let's wrap it up. Uh, on a quick side note for the listeners, anybody that knows why Urban One Stock is going crazy right now, please hit me up on Twitter at Work Money Life because I'm curious. Up or, up or down? Up or down? Oh, it was like maybe two bucks. And then, like, yesterday, it jumped to, like, 22. Then it was back down to 10. Then it was, like, 30 I'm bucks. I'm rooting for them, man. I want like, them to win. 30 bucks, like, a couple of hours ago. Wow. Like, what is, going, what is going on? But on another is that note... The same, is that the company that has, like, the, the TV network? Like yes. The Urban One, oh, Urban oh. One TV One, Kathy Hughes. Yeah. Urban One TV One. 100% today. 100% today. Wow. On the past week, they're 1,600%. Wow. Yeah, they've been going crazy. Honestly, I feel like what might have happened is they might have just IPO'd them super cheap because it's a recent it's a recent offering. It hasn't been trading for that long. And so I feel like what might have happened, well, maybe I might be wrong. No, I'll take I that they've back. Been out, they've been out for a while, I think. I'll take that back. Now that I look at it. They were just trading very, very low for a long time, like near nothing. Yeah, what yeah. stock is it? Urban One. U O N E. Yeah, the radio yeah. station, uh, the media, media. They're company. rich AF man. That family has money. He references them a lot in um, the uh, uh, Dennis Kimbrough, Dennis Kimbrough book. I can't think of the title. Well, choice. Well, yeah, wrapping it up. Out, you know. Yeah. So everybody knows the options course from Todd Capital, best-selling course on the internet. Um, but crisis money, the value, the value invested webinar is out now. It's available. Be sure to get that. We'll have the links in the show notes. We want to thank our guests, Tyler Dwyer. Let it's them lit. know. Let them know where they can find you, Tyler. All the social yeah, media. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. 
Yeah, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler W. DeWire. Uh, it's just my first and last name with my middle initial. Go spell uh, it out. T-Y-L-E-R-W-D-W-Y-E-R. Cool. And you know Raphael and Charles, you can find Raphael on Twitter at Work Money Life. Find Charles on Twitter at Todd Billion. Find him on Instagram at Todd Billion. Find Todd Capital on Instagram at Todd.Capital. He also has at Best of Black Man on Instagram. You can find the show on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Just like to leave you guys with a tweet from each of these guys. Charles says, your value should never be contingent upon the opinion of others. And Tyler said, take action today. With that, Rafael and Charles, with special guest Tyler Dwyer, with Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, we are out. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. We value your time. And that's why we want to give you the best sounding, best produced quality of content we possibly can. And this podcast you've been listening to has been edited and produced by yours truly. I'm Donald The Voice. I'm a 10 year voiceover artist, narrator and production specialist that wants to see only the best life giving, equipping and long-lasting content be produced to help others. So if you have commercial video editing or other production needs, I'd love to talk with you. That's right. Visit DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page to talk about how we can work together to bring your content to life. Okay, so you're not an email person. Well, you can also contact me on Instagram at DonaldTheVoice or on Facebook.com forward slash Donald.TheVoice. I'm looking forward to talking to you.